The last two weeks, we have seen Paul explain to the Corinthians two things. We saw two weeks ago that the source of all of our boasting is to be found only in Christ alone. And this is because, as we learned last week, the source of all wisdom for spiritual things is the Holy Spirit of God. Paul then says that the person who has been born again has the Holy Spirit. And Paul refers to this person who is born again or possessing the Holy Spirit, which every believer has the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not a believer. There's just no such thing as a person without the, a Christian without the Holy Spirit. Paul refers to this person who has the Holy Spirit and he uses the word spiritual in this chapter. He says that they're mature. Not that they're all that they should be, obviously, but they are different than another kind of people, which we're going to see, which is the context today. But just to review, let's look at the last two verses there. These will not be on the screen, so open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 2.12, or just listen as I read them. 1 Corinthians 2.12, now we have received not the spirit of the world, Paul says, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual Remember here, a lot of the conversation happening in Corinth at this time is, how are we going to preach the gospel? And where is our identity found? And what do we have to brag about? And Paul's trying to explain to them that their boasting is in Christ and they have nothing to brag about or boast about because all they have, all they know, and all they've become is because God has given his Holy Spirit to them to change their lives. These spiritual people, as we've already mentioned, are all Christians. They're not some special class of believers. It refers to every person who has been caused to be born again by the Spirit, which then they have true wisdom, as we've mentioned in this chapter. As a result of having that wisdom from God to know that the cross is the power of God, They repent of their sins, place their faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, and then they can have true boasting in Christ. And now, as a result of that, have the Holy Spirit of God. It's the reason that we have the Spirit that reveals all the wisdom necessary for salvation that we can understand these spiritual things. And so Paul refers to them as spiritual In light of what he says here, let's look at what he says in verse 14 because here's the second type of person that he's about to make this big point to because not everyone is the same. Not all people on earth are the same. You have these spiritual people. Well, they're not all spiritual. They're not all people who have the Holy Spirit. Not all people have been born again, obviously. So who are you if you're not born again? In verse 14, Paul refers to these people as the natural person. The natural person. Who is the natural person? So you have the natural person and the spiritual person. The natural person is the condition that every person begins this life. We were all born this way. Every single one of us. That's why it's 
natural. It's our nature to be born this way. We are natural, fleshly, Paul is making a point here, because why? We do not have the Holy Spirit of God from birth. We're not born with the Holy Spirit. He is natural, this person is natural because he is missing something. And what is it? It's the new birth. It's regeneration. It's to be born again. From our mother's wombs, we are conceived. God knits us together in our mother's wombs and we become natural people. What does that mean? We are all made in the image of God. All of us. Not a single person on earth. All humans are made in God's image. We bear in our souls the stamp of an almighty God who loved us and created us. As a result of this, God creates us by giving us a soul or a spirit. God then makes us after our earthly father or ancestor who is Adam, the first man. And then God charges to our account all the guilt of our father Adam on our behalf. And therefore, being a natural person is another way that Paul is saying a sinner. Right? Everybody is a sinner. Everybody is born in sin. We all possess and inherit that sinful nature. Why? Because we come from our father Adam. And because of that, God therefore holds everybody in Adam accountable. Accountable not just for the guilt inferred to them and credited to their account, but also our own sinful rebellion. Just because God is not just punishing us or God is not, God's wrath is not coming on humanity because Adam sinned and like, hey, what do we do? No, we are all guilty. And if you're honest, you would admit that you are guilty as well. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all broken his laws. We've all broken his commandments. And we, and that is natural. That comes easy for us. That's what it means to be natural. It, we don't have to work at it. I mean, there's not a single person in here that has to work at wanting to sin. Not a single person. And if you say, well, I, that's not me, then you're a liar. <laughs> And then you just lied and you just showed that my point is true. You're a natural person. Right? And by the way, I didn't say that John says that in his epistle of 1 John. Whoever says they have no sin is a liar and the word of God is not in them. And so, a natural person is how every person begins their life. So then the question then, obviously, is how does someone go from being a natural person to a spiritual person? And this is the message of the Bible. This is the work of the gospel. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Because this is the great dilemma that we all face. We're all born natural people. That's why we're human. And the only way to be a spiritual person is to be born again. So think of the analogy. You're born a natural person. So if you're born, if you're if you become a natural person by becoming born or created, conceived, then in order to be a spiritual person, you have to be born again. Why? Because you're born wrong the first time. 
You're born wrong the first time. You're born with one nature. And that nature only wants to rebel and sin against God. This is why we need to be born again. Because we were born wrong the first time. We were born natural people inheriting the sinfulness of Adam. We need to be born again so we now inherit the spirit of our God. That is what it's all about. This is a conversation that we're very familiar with, and it's one that Jesus had with a religious leader named Nicodemus. If you will turn in your Bibles to John chapter 3, we will look at this very, very familiar passage. In John chapter 3, Jesus teaches Nicodemus of these spiritual truths. Jesus had a man come to him by night named Nicodemus. He goes to him by night probably because he doesn't want the other religious leaders knowing that he's talking to this rabbi from Nazareth named Jesus. And he comes and asks him some questions. And Jesus tells him, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Look at verse 3. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again... He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? I mean, Nicodemus doesn't understand what Jesus is trying to say here. How can I be born when I'm already old? I mean, do you want me to go back into my mother? How does that work? And of course, what Jesus is saying here is nothing in relationship to a physical birth, right? We're only born one time, right? We're only born one time. We we are born and we have life. We're living. But inside, there is another life that we need. Because we are natural people belonging to Adam and are born sinners, there's consequences that come with that. We may be physically alive, but all people are born spiritually dead. Being born spiritually dead has its own set of ramifications, which we will see in a moment. But Jesus is saying here, Nicodemus, you're, aren't you a religious leader and you don't know these things? No, Nicodemus, being born again is not about having another physical birth, but a spiritual one. And this is how Jesus puts it. Look at verse 5. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not going to go deep into the exposition of John 3. I did that already when we did the Gospel of John. I encourage you to go listen to that sermon again in John chapter 3. It's on our website. But let me just make some comments here. Here again, he says, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter enter the kingdom of God. There's a difference, Nicodemus. Just being born physically doesn't grant you eternal life. Something has has to happen, and what is it? It's in relationship to the Spirit. That which is born of the flesh, he says in verse 6, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. The flesh is flesh. Spirit is spirit. Here's Jesus' way of saying natural versus spiritual. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. 
The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. And so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. The natural person here, Jesus, describes here as in the flesh. We all have flesh and blood and bones. That's natural. But those who will see God, those who will see and inherit the kingdom of God, are those not born of flesh, just of flesh, but also of spirit. There is a distinction here that matters. And so, the only difference in between natural people and spiritual people is this. Spiritual people have the Holy Spirit, natural people do not. Why? Natural people have not been born again. Spiritual people have. What are the ramifications of not having the Spirit of God? Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Like, what's the big deal? Like, why do I need to be a spiritual person? Why do I need to be born again? Well, time does not allow us to answer that question with great justice. However, I think, obviously, the consequences bear it out. Of course, to not be born again means that we will die in our sins and stand before a holy God and face and be accountable for everything we've ever said or done. And unless you think you could stand before God and take a chance that somehow your good works outdo your bad works, think again. Because you could obey perfectly for the next trillion years and it still will not be enough. And this is Paul's point also in this chapter. Where is our boasting? It's in Christ alone. Not in what we do, not in what we say, not in how we live. But it's what God has done in us through his spirit to cause us to be born again and to be forgiven of our sins. So obviously there's eternal ramifications. But to understand more about the natural person, because we've all been people like this if we're a believer. We've all been that person. Something had to have happened to help us to believe. Look, the reason you're a believer today is not because you're smarter than someone who is not. The reason you're a believer today is not because you're at the right place at the right time and, boy, luck just played out in your favor. You were dealt a good hand. No. The reason you are born again today is because God, by his sovereign grace, reached down to you when you couldn't reach up, when you didn't even know you needed to reach up, when you were so lost in your sins, God saved you. That is the message of the gospel. But to understand the difference here between natural and spiritual people. Why this is so great? Because all of us have shared the gospel, hopefully, with somebody. All of us have tried to share Christ and the message of the cross with somebody. And you're walking away, and you're like me, and you're, you become so frustrated. Like, I couldn't have made it any easier. Why don't they get it? Why don't they understand? Why won't they just believe? Anyone like that? Yeah. We've all been there. We've all witnessed the people. And they've been, they're so hard-hearted. They're so blind. Why? And this is the reason. There's a difference 
between natural people and spiritual people. Spiritual people understand spiritual things. Why? They have the Holy Spirit of God. This is Paul's point. Natural people cannot understand spiritual things. Why? They don't have the Spirit of God. So something has to happen first, right? Before we have faith to believe in Jesus. It's often said, and some people wrongly believe, that faith comes first and then you're born again. But the opposite is true. You cannot believe first. God regenerates you, gives you spiritual life, draws you by his spirit, makes you alive, and then you can place your faith in Jesus. Regeneration precedes faith because the natural person does not have the ability to believe or have a desire for God without the spirit of God working in them. So look, let's go back to 1 Corinthians 2.14 and look at more of what Paul says about this natural person. Remember, he's just got done talking about the spiritual people. Paul says we impart spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is teaching them. I told you last week. I'm up here preaching and teaching the word of God, Right? However, it is not Dan Sardinus that is connecting the dots in your heart and growing you in your life. It is the work of the Holy Spirit of God. God uses me. God uses other means in which to grow you as well. But ultimately, I cannot take any credit for that. It's only what God does through his spirit to connect the dots in your heart and to teach you those things. Paul says, we teach spiritual things to those who are spiritual. But what about the natural person? Can you teach them spiritual things and expect them to get it? No. Look what he says. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God. For they are folly to him. Not the first time Paul uses the word folly in this letter, does he? Remember, he says, to those who are perishing, the word of the cross is what? Foolishness. Folly. Why do they think it's folly and foolishness? They don't have the spirit of God to draw them to show them otherwise. Why does the spiritual people think that the word of the cross is the power of God? Why? Because the Holy Spirit worked in their heart and drew them to himself. So, the first thing that we see here that a natural person, the description of the natural person is, number one, the natural person has an inherent rejection of the truth. Every single natural person, that means every human, ever born, they're born rejecting the things of the Spirit of God. In our natural state, we are born, and it's our nature to reject the things of the Holy Spirit. And this is the problem. This is the problem. If we all are born in this condition, and we're all born, and it's our nature to reject, then how can anyone be saved? If it were up to us, if it were up to us, And God just stayed out of it. We'd all go to hell. We would all go to hell. We have an inherent rejection of the truth in our natural state. 
And the Bible just doesn't speak this here, like Paul says, that we do not accept the things of the Spirit of God. The Bible goes on even further to describe our condition. It says here, for example, we, if we kept reading, reading in John chapter 3, verse 19, Jesus says, or John summarizes the talk here with Nicodemus, and this is the judgment, that light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. You see, why does a bird fly? It's in his nature to fly. Why does a cockroach run away from the light? It's in his nature to run away from the light. Right? Why do sinners sin? Because it's in their nature to sin. And their nature will always want to sin, desire their sin, not the other way around. We will always do what is in our nature to do. We will always gravitate, as R.C. Sproul says, to the inclination of our greatest desires. That's why we do what we do. Whatever is most desirable in that moment is why we choose what we choose to do. And we will sin every time and given the choice. And Having this not accepting the things of the Spirit of God is because why? By nature, John 3.19 says, I am born to love the darkness and hate or reject the light. Of course, in this case, it was speaking of the Lord Jesus himself. John says that he came unto his own, but his own received him not. Here is the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, entering this dark world, and he was rejected by his own people, many of his own people. Why? Because it was in their nature to do so. Here is the Holy Spirit of God anointing Jesus at his baptism, filling him as he's going out doing miracles. Jesus says, I do nothing apart from the Spirit of God. I'm going out in the name of my Father. I do his will and his work, and Here's the Holy Spirit working through him. And the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the people hated him. Why? They do not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Jesus is one of those things. Letter B. It makes me also suppress the truth. That's what my inherent rejection of the truth in my natural state allows me to do. I just don't hate the light and love the darkness it makes me hold back what is true. In Romans chapter 118, Paul says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their, listen to this, unrighteousness suppress the truth. By my own sinful nature, my own sinful nature is designed to, I hear truth and I hold it back. Not just any true, like, hey, gravity. No, I'm talking about the things of the Spirit of God. Things that only can be understood by the Spirit. By my own nature, I hold back, suppress, keep it down, hold it back. And who does that? I do. I do. Well, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. I was born to not love this. 
Not only does it make me hate the light, not only does it make me suppress the truth, but it creates in me a hostility towards God. This is what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. Hostile. That's a very descriptive word. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. There's another Paul saying about the natural man. The natural man cannot submit to God's law. Why? He doesn't want to. Rules? No one's going to tell me what to do. Not even God. Right? That's how we're born. I want to do it my way. I want to do it the way I want. I want that. I want to be happy. I want to have purpose and satisfaction in life my way. I just want to feel good. People have all sorts of excuses, don't they? Here's God giving us his law. Here's God giving us his standard. Here's God saying, I am God, your creator. Because I am God and you're my creatures, you are to submit to me. You are accountable to me. So repent. Repent. Hmm. The last thing Paul says here in Romans 8, indeed it cannot, leads us to our second point of the natural man. Not only do we have this inherent rejection, like this hatred, this hostility, that by the way, Paul, the Bible also describes us in our natural state as the enemies of God. The enemies of God. Think about that. Wow. But it also speaks of not only an inherent rejection, but also an inherent inability. Again, it's just not that you don't want to. It's that you can't. Listen, I would love to fly. I cannot. I cannot. Even if I wanted to fly, I could flap my arms as hard as possible. But guess what? I'm not getting this big body off the ground. Just not happening. So it's not just that we don't have the desires to. We don't even have the ability to do what God has required in our own power. Which is why it is so utterly ridiculous when someone says that they can work themselves to heaven. And they could satisfy God's wrath by their own good works. What are you talking about? First of all, you don't have the desire according to the scriptures. And secondly, you don't have the ability. You're calling God a liar by saying such foolishness. Paul continues in that verse. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 2.14. The natural person is so unlike the spiritual person, the believer. Why? He does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And, here's the second part, he is not able to understand, here's his inability, he is not able to understand them, why? They are spiritually discerned or lacking. Again, why, Paul? What's the difference between this person and that person? One person has the spirit of God, the believer. The other one does not. That's, the diff- that's why one person can accept the things of God and understand them, and the other one cannot. 
It's just not that we reject the truth from birth, but we're unable to do anything different on our own power, our own strength. The Bible speaks of this inability in different ways throughout the New Testament. For example, in Romans chapter 3, this idea of unable to understand spiritual things, Paul here quote from Psalm 14, which we read earlier in the service, at the beginning of the service. Romans chapter 3, listen to what Paul says. No one understands. No one seeks for God. Paul's making a point here as he's indicting humanity. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Whoa. No one understands. Wait, wait, Paul, there's at least somebody who does. Nobody. What's he doing? He's quoting from Psalm 14. No one seeks for God? That's right. There is no such thing as a seeker. There's no such thing as seeker-sensitive churches. Well, I mean, they exist, but it's stupidity. Because they're looking for people who don't exist. The Bible says no one seeks God. So how can you have a service dedicated to seeking seekers? No one seeks for God. No one understands. All have turned aside. No one does good, not even one. Why? Because they can't. Nobody can in their own natural ability and state do those things. And don't forget the most famous verse of chapter 3 of Romans. Verse 23, which I know you all know, right? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This is where all this leads to, right? So, in my natural state, I am unable to understand spiritual truth. Paul says it here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Here he says it again in Romans chapter 3. It also makes me, if that's true, and this is just logically consistent with the whole analogy that Jesus makes about being born. Let let, let, let me ask you a question. Who here, who here chose your birth parents? Who here chose the day you were born? Now, maybe you're saying, well, you know, I reached up and I broke mom's water and I came out. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Even then, you didn't choose it. You were just taking a little stretch in the womb, okay? No one chooses to be born. No one, cho- no one has the ability to say, hey, I want to be born today. Why? You don't even need, no, you need to be born. You don't even exist. So in the same way, Jesus is making this analogy to Nicodemus, in the same way that you can't make yourself born at your own discretion, you cannot make yourself born again either. This is why Jesus goes on to say, the wind, the spirit blows where it wishes. You can't see the wind, you can't see the spirit moving, but you know he goes wherever the evidence shows itself true. 
So in my natural state, not only am I unable to stand spiritual things, which is a given, but if that's true, then I'm unable to make myself born again of my own volition or my own decision making. Why? Well, the Bible even uses a different word to describe us in that state, and it's dead. Dead. Ephesians 2.1, Paul says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. What does it mean to be dead? It means you're dead. A dead person has no power, no desires, no ability to get up, no decision making. They're talking the physical body. Why? They're dead. This is how the natural person is described in the scriptures. Don't you feel good about yourself? We are, spirit, we are physically alive, but spiritually dead. That people have no desires. And this is why Paul says in Ephesians 2, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive. Who makes us alive? God. It is God who makes us born again. It's God who makes us alive together with Christ. Why? By grace you have been saved. It is God's grace 100% of the time that a sinner comes to faith in him. Not because they figured it out. Not because they're smarter than someone else. Not because they came from a certain family. No. God's sovereign will and grace. Period. Why? Because a natural person can't do anything like this. Nothing. Thirdly, this inability, we cannot understand spiritual things. We cannot make ourselves born again. But the Bible also says that, here's the invitation. Come to Jesus. We're even unable to come to Jesus in our own natural state, in our own power. Who said this? Jesus did. You can argue with him if you don't agree. In John chapter 6, verse 44, this is what Jesus says to the crowds that he had just fed. Remember with the loaves and fishes? 20,000 people. John records 5,000 men, but their families too were there. 20,000 people. They all followed Jesus to get to the next miracle. And Jesus looks at this huge crowd and says, you all don't believe. Paraphrasing, he basically says, you're here just for your next free lunch. You're not here because you love me, you want to follow me, you care what I'm teaching you. You don't believe. You're not coming to me for spiritual truth. You're coming to me for your next meal. And then he breaks it down and such, says things like this in John 6, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Again, Here's another verse that speaks that there's an inability in the sinner, an inability in a person in their natural state to come to Christ in their own power. No one can come. He didn't say no one may come. If your mom taught you good grammar growing up, right? May is a word of permission. May I come? He didn't say no one may come. He's speaking no one can come. Meaning, No one has the ability to come unless, what's the condition? The Father who sent me draws him. Again, it's the work of God. Again and again. This is what separates the natural person from the spiritual person. Here's just one more. 
John 8, 43. Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders who are trying to trap him in some blasphemy. And Jesus says, if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. So whoever is of God, he's talking relationship, identity, origin, meaning we have his spirit. Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is what? You are not of God. You're deaf. That's what you are. You are spiritually deaf, Pharisees and Sadducees. You don't have the ability to hear the true words of God and believe them. Why? You are not of God. That's why. Why? They're in their natural state. They're the natural person. And so, being because man is in natural state, let's just sum it up. He has an inherent rejection built into him. He has an inherent inability to come to Christ, to believe in Christ, to do what essentially God requires in his own power, which is why we call it amazing grace, because it's all God. It's all God awakening our hearts. It's all God removing the blinders, unplugging our ears, ripping out the heart of stone, giving us a heart to believe. It's all God. And this is what he's trying to teach the Corinthians here. I teach spiritual truths to spiritual people. Why? Because they have the spirit. They can understand them. If I teach spiritual truths to unbelievers, guess what happens? They do not reject them unless the Lord works in their heart to draw them to himself. A lot more to say about this. But what is Paul's point? Again, in context, what do you have to boast about? The source of all our boasting is in Jesus. I just told you all the things you couldn't do without him. And you still want to brag? How about what you could figure out on your own or human philosophy or wisdom? Because remember, the Corinthians were big on that. Human philosophy and wisdom. Figuring things out on their own. Preaching the gospel in a certain way to make it more entertaining or, or understandable to the masses. The source of all wisdom is the Holy Spirit. You can't understand anything apart from Him. What you know now, you know of Him. Why? Because you were born and your natural inclinations were to reject it. You were born and had a natural inability to even understand it. So the question is this. Who are you? I mean, every single person here is at least a natural person. You all have that in common. Everyone here is born. You're human. You're made in God's image. We all come from Adam. But one man sin, and death passed upon all men because he sinned. And the wages of sin is death. We we're all born, we all die because of this guilt, because of this rebellion against God. The question is who are you? Are you still a natural person? Or are you a spiritual person? Or to put it another way, are you a believer? Have you become born again? I'm not asking you if you've said a prayer. I'm not asking you if you've repeated some words. That doesn't save anybody. 
The Bible never commands us to repeat a prayer and be saved. But the Bible does say is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's what the Bible says. Faith comes from hearing the word of God by the Holy Spirit enlightening our hearts to understand and to believe. So have you come to a place to understand these things? Have you come to a place to understand that you are a sinner under God's wrath? That you are accountable to your sins and that you will stand before God one day and have to give an account. And there is no other just sentence to be given to you but guilty. Have you understood that? Secondly, have you understood this? That God sent his son. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, who is God himself to this world. To live the kind of life that you and I should have lived. Jesus perfectly kept the law of God. Never sinned one time. And as a result, died on a cross as a substitute for you. You and I should have been on that cross, not him. You and I should have received the wrath that he received that day. Have you understood that he is your substitute? That he has taken your place? That all the judgment that you were due, he received for all those who believe. And the command is simple. Paul says that God has commanded all peoples everywhere to repent. Have you proven this faith and understanding in your heart that the Holy Spirit of God has wrought in your heart? Because you can't understand any of that without him. And then placed your faith and belief in the Lord Jesus alone. Not your works Not your whatever you want to throw into there. Any accolades or anything like that. Have you repented? Means changed your mind. That's what the word repent means. And it's seen by a turning from sin. To a turning to Christ. You changed your mind about who he was. And now who he is. You changed your mind about who you were. And now who you are. There's been a change in your life. Is that you? Do you see evidence or fruit? Do you see joy or peace or patience or kindness or meekness or long-suffering? Is there any evidence in your heart? Is there any fight and war against sin? Because all these things are gifts of the Holy Spirit. All of these things are proofs that we're spiritual people, that we belong to Him. If there's no fight in you, if there's no war against sin in your heart, if there's no love of Jesus, if there's no desire for the Word of God... In your heart. You still might just be a natural person. The way you were born. And you have not been born again. And I plead with you today. To to consider these words with eternal weightiness. That one day. You will have to. Stand before God and give an account. And the only thing that matters is have you believed the gospel or not. What is the gospel? That Jesus Christ died for sinners. 
and rose again on the third day. Period. Have you believed that or not? That's the only thing that, are you a natural person or not? I'm not asking if you're a church member or a deacon. I'm not asking you if you're a, a children's worker or a Sunday school teacher. I'm not asking you if your parents were here in Bradenton from day. I'm not asking you anything. Except, what will you do with Jesus? Because that's what separates a natural person from a believer. That's the difference. That's the distinction. I pray that God would work in your heart to make that clear and that you will understand what you ought to do to truly come to faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. If you're a believer here today, may you rejoice that God by his mercy has not left you in your natural state. Amen? God has not left you in your natural state. But by his grace, he has saved you. Why? Well, the kids said it this morning. For his own glory. That's why. That's why God saved us. Not what we had to offer him. We have nothing to offer him. I just, we just showed you 20 scriptures to prove it. For his own glory. That's why. He wanted to. He chose to. Let's pray. Oh God, help us. Help us understand these words by your spirit. Lord, we know that only those who have the Spirit will understand them. Those whom the Spirit is working in their behalf, to, who has caused them to be born again. Father, may they rejoice in their salvation and your mercy to know what you have done in their lives. Oh, God, help us today to glory in you and the gospel alone. And Lord, I pray for those who are in this room or those who are listening online, that they are still a natural person. They've not been delivered from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. God, that you would work in their hearts plainly to show them their need of salvation. Draw them, Lord, as we know they have no ability to come to you in their own power. Awaken them, regenerate them, God, so they can have faith and repentance to follow and show that they are yours. Lord, I know you'll glorify yourself through the preaching of this word as I have been faithful to this text. Oh God, fill us with the Holy Spirit and accomplish your will through us. We know your word will not return void, not return empty, but accomplish all that it has done, whether it's a softening of hearts or the hardening of hearts. We trust you for whatever results you see fit to do. In Jesus' name, amen.